whether you agree with it or not, sometimes Christianity is described as being distinguished or different from other religions because it's viewed as a relationship and not a religion. That may be overstating the case because after all, as we gather for worship, we are practicing our religion. As churches gather to do, together to carry out ministry and do things together as a church and as a congregation, they are practicing their religion. So it's not maybe so black and white as saying it's not a religion, it's a relationship, but we'd have to agree that it is definitely a religion that is based on our relationship with God. And as we've been reflecting during this series, Bounce Back, we've been reminded as we've bounced back to the Word and to our baptism that the relationship that we have with Jesus is one that not only was initiated by God, but also is sustained by Him. And as he has revealed to us in his word that he's the one that has established that relationship with us through the blood of, of Jesus, through faith in him, we rejoice that that would actually be enough for us if, if we just had the word to tell us how much God loves us and that God has initiated and sustains that relationship with us, that would be enough. But the beautiful thing about this relationship that we have with God is he's not only interested in revealing his heart to us, and the depth of his love for us, but he's also interested in what's in, in our heart as well. And so we have the privilege today to reflect on the importance and the blessing of the invitation that God gives to us to pour out our hearts, to, to open them up, to share what is on our thoughts and our minds and our hearts with him through prayer. So we pray that we see the value, the importance of bouncing back to that gift, to that blessing of prayer. Well, I just described it as that. How would you describe prayer? How do you feel about prayer? Most would probably answer that it's a, a comforting thing, that it is a blessing, that it is a, a privilege in our lives. And I think we'd agree with that. But what if, I, what if I, I made it a little bit more specific? What if I asked, how do you feel about your prayer life? Do you tense up maybe a little bit? Does it feel like I, I just brought up something that, that too often feels like another item on the checklist that has to get done? When I ask you about your prayer life, do feelings of guilt arise? I ask because it's not uncommon whether it's a Bible study or any discussion on the topic of prayer. Oftentimes, what I hear from Christians are apologies. Regret, guilt, that their prayer life is not what they wish it would be. And if that's the case, then we have a little bit of work to do. If, if guilt is what comes up, comes to mind when we, when we discuss this topic of prayer, then we have to work through that a little bit. And maybe that, that comes by asking another question. Why is it that you feel guilt when it comes to your prayer life? Is it a matter of quantity when it comes to prayer that you wish you prayed more or you know you should pray more than you do? Well, we have to push a little bit more than that. We, we can't just say, I, I wish I, I prayed more and then the guilt would go away. How much more? Would it, would it be several times a day? Would it be before meals, in the morning, at night? Would it be throughout the day, just periodically having a conversation with God? Would it be hours each day in prayer, is that what it would take for you to not feel guilty 
about the quantity, the number, and the frequency of your prayers? Or is it a matter of quality? Perhaps you fear, feel like your prayers don't measure up. They don't sound as religious as they ought to. They're not as eloquent or spiritual. And so the guilt comes from feeling like you're just not a, a, a great prayer, that the quantity, or the quality rather, of your prayers leaves a little to be desired. Here's why it's so important for us to, to figure out where that guilt is coming from. Because whether it's quantity or quality or anything else, the real issue, the real reason that we have to own up to feeling guilty in our prayer is that we must have this idea that our prayer is a matter of performing to please God. And dear friends, if we assume wrongly so that our relationship with God is based on the performance of our prayer, then we have every reason to feel guilty because it is never going to measure up. Your prayer life, no matter quantity, quality, or any other criteria, is ever going to measure up to be worthy of a performance that will please God, nor will anything else in your life. We have to look at, at prayer differently and realize that when it comes to prayer, God does not need our prayers in order to have a relationship with him. Why? Because he has met his own requirement for perfection through his son, Jesus. Jesus' performance was good enough. Jesus' performance was perfect. Jesus' prayer life was perfect. So if God the Father has everything that he needs in the perfect holy life of his son, Jesus, then he doesn't need your prayer life to be perfect nor could it ever be. He doesn't ask that of you because he has what he needs in the perfection and holiness of Jesus already. So he doesn't need your prayers to be perfect. And it's true, God doesn't need your prayers, but he does want them. There's a big difference there, isn't there? between needing your prayers and wanting them. He doesn't need them because he has perfection in his son Jesus, but he wants them because he wants to see into your heart and he wants to draw you into a deeper relationship with him, which comes from seeing him as the go-to person with every request, with everything that is on our hearts. God wants first billing in our hearts, not because of his insecurity, but because he knows that everything in this world is constantly trying to pull us away from him. And he wants us to look to him as the go-to in every situation. He wants us to see him as the one who can satisfy our every desire, our every request in a way that nothing in the world ever will be able to. When we consider the, the words from Ephesians today, the writer of those words, Paul, don't you get the sense that he was fully aware of the capability that God had and has to answer requests and prayers? Listen to how he describes again in, in Ephesians chapter 3 this prayer life and, and the relationship that we have with God when we come to him. And he describes that he prays that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power in verse 16. And in verse 20, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. His glorious riches, immeasurably more than we could ask or even imagine. Paul recognizes that our requests before God, we're not dealing with somebody who is just barely living below the poverty line. 
We don't have a God who is even middle class. We have a God who has everything at his disposal. The wealth, the riches, and abundance uh, at which his means that he has to, to answer every request that we could ever bring before him. And not just every request, but, but Paul says even more than you could think to ask, even more than you could imagine. That is the God that invites us to pray to him. Recently, Elon Musk, the, the, the founder and CEO of, of Tesla, he was named the wealthiest man on the planet. Suppose, hypothetically, I'm not, not passing along any, any news items or headlines, but suppose Elon Musk wanted to demonstrate his wealth and his generosity. And so he determined that he was going to randomly choose one individual and he was going to grant to that individual anything that he or she wanted. Most powerful, the wealthiest, not most powerful, but the wealthiest man on the planet is able to do that, right? So now he picks his random individual and, and what does that individual request of Elon Musk, the wealthiest person on the planet? Drum roll, please. Brrr. A chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A. Now, I don't care how good you think Chick-fil-A might be. If somebody had the opportunity to ask anything they wanted of Elon Musk, and, and he promised to, to buy it, to purchase it for them, and they asked for a chicken sandwich, you would wonder if there was something wrong with that individual. And not only that individual, but here's the real kicker. What a slap in the face to the man who wanted to demonstrate his wealth and his generosity and says, ask me anything, and the only request is a chicken sandwich. How insulting. So why, why do we ask so little of the God who owns the deed to everything on the planet and even the planet itself and the entire universe? It's all his, and yet we, we come to him in our requests with little more than a chicken sandwich so often. We ask so little of a God who is able to do so much. In fact, the only problem is, is never that we're going to ask more than he's able to give, but, but that we never ask enough, that we seldom ask tapping into the wealth, the riches, the abundance, the ability that God is able to bless us with. Why are our prayers so small-minded? And, and again, the big kicker is, what does that reflect about what we think of God? who invites us to ask anything of him, who promises he can grant more than we can ask or imagine, and we ask so little. May God forgive us for, for thinking so small of him, for, for limiting him, for thinking so little of a generous and a gracious God. To put it into perspective, what God is able to do for us, what if I also told you that, that Amazon was going to be offering for the next 24 hours that anybody and everybody could for 24 hours order as much of anything and everything on their websites that a person wanted to? If that were true, you would probably stop watching this right now and, and start using your screen to start placing orders. And you'd probably be doing that for the next 24 hours. Even if you have everything that you need, you would be thinking about other people and you would be dialed into Amazon for 24 hours straight thinking of everything under the sun that you could order. 
yet there are things that, that Amazon cannot provide. God, his provision isn't limited to 24 hours, first of all, but he also can, can offer you far more than you'll ever find on Amazon. See, there are some things you just can't buy, things that God can provide. You can't search Amazon and buy consolation at the loss of a loved one. There's not some daily deal by which you can come across forgiveness and purchase that. There's not a, a one-click purchase for contentment or compassion. You can't search in the web browser on, on Amazon. You can't put in the search bar, peace, or when others have wronged you in the past, but these and so much more God can and does provide. So not only do we have a generous God who is able to provide every physical need, but he goes above and beyond and he gives you the stuff that really matters, the spiritual blessings. And that is what is remarkable, I think, any time in the New Testament that you read Paul, not just in, in this letter to the Ephesians, but all of Paul's letters, when we stop and we focus on what Paul requests in prayer of God. If you're familiar with Paul, then you know that, that as a Christian and as a missionary, he was always enduring hardship, imprisoned and beaten and without clothes and without food. And yet when you focus on his letters and what he asks his fellow believers to pray for him and what he himself prays for, it's almost never that his physical needs be met. He doesn't write to his fellow believers and say, pray that I get out of jail. He doesn't write to them and say, pray that I avoid any sort of suffering or beating. He doesn't say, pray and make sure that I have enough food or clothing. No, his prayers are kingdom-minded. His prayers are for the spiritual health of the people he's writing to and for not only that, but, but also Paul's own spiritual strength. But more so, it's for Christ's kingdom and the power of the gospel to continue to spread. He doesn't ask that his suffering would be taken away. He asks that through his suffering, God's kingdom would come and the gospel would be proclaimed and more people would come to know their Savior, Jesus. The very things that he does pray for in these verses from Ephesians. As Paul is pointing out to us the, the vast wealth, the resources that we have to tap into when it comes to praying to God, what does he focus on in these sections? Just skim through it and it's, it's unmistakable. No physical blessings, but spiritual blessings. He prays that, that out of the glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may reside in your hearts more and more so that Christ is anchored and rooted in your hearts. Why? So that you know love more deeply, being rooted and established. So that why? Then you can grasp how wide and full in the depth of Christ's love for you. You look through this whole section and, and there isn't anything about physical requests, but that we would know more deeply the full measure of God's love for us in Christ Jesus. Dear friends, what would your life look like if you made your prayers sound more like this for a week, for a month, for a year? What if our prayers were less about my finances and, and a job and health 
and relationships and a car and a house. And yes, we can bring all of those things before God. We do so in the Lord's Prayer when we ask him to give our daily bread. But notice that even all the petitions in the Lord's Prayer, only one of them deals with physical blessings. What if instead we focus less on those things, confident from our own experience that God is always going to provide them, but instead dialed into the greater blessings that God is able to bestow on us? What if we prayed for hearts that, that oozed with forgiveness? What if we prayed for the ability to love those who are unlovable, our, our enemies? What if we prayed for contentment with what we have and, and compassion towards those who are in need? What if we prayed for patience in an impatient world? What if we prayed for the kind of self-control that wouldn't be so drawn into physical temptation and others? What if we prayed for a peace that, that yes, absolutely does defy any human understanding, but yes, can be experienced through Jesus? What if we prayed for more wisdom from God and more grace to be able to extend it to others? If we prayed for all of these things, dear friends, I think that we would find how much easier it would be to be okay even when life isn't. So dear friends, it's time. It's time for us to bounce back to prayer. Amen.